everyone whom the Lord our God caused him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation, so that who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home, ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. You may now be seated. Let's pray. Father, you're awesome in this place. We reverence your presence, O God. Father, we're positioning ourselves to hear your voice this morning. It's not about man. It's not about, Father God, what... I have to say it's about what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Father, we have big hearts this morning. And Father, we want to be those that give attention to the things, God, that are important to you. I pray that as we study this morning, that you would speak to our hearts. And that this word will fall on good ground and it will bring forth the kind of fruit that you will be pleased with. That we will live our lives in in, in such a way and that we will function as a people where we would hear you say those precious words that every Christian wants to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. We love you. We thank you. We're glad to receive your word this morning and all that you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This morning, I want to talk to you about a subject entitled The Vital Church. The Vital Church. I love the church. And what I mean by that is I love being around the people of God. I love church culture. And I can say that having been saved now for over 20 years, it hasn't all been a pleasant experience. But nonetheless, it's been very exciting. Walking with the Lord and being in fellowship with his people. There is, for me, there is just no greater place to be. I have always loved the church. I've always loved the people of God, the culture of God, everything that has to do with church, how we fellowship, how we talk about the Lord, how we praise God. These things have just always been very dear to my heart. I believe it was Bill Hybels that once said that the church is 
the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. That is extremely a profound truth because what that suggests is that the way that this world is going to get out of the rut that it's in is going to have to come through the life of the church. It's going to have to come through God's people as he had ordained. Jesus said that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What that suggest is that the gates of hell are is certainly going to try to prevail against the church. And many other struggles that you have in your life, oftentimes they are inspired by the enemy who wants to discourage you, who want to keep you not focused on what's really relevant and what's really, really important to God. And so the Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He don't like you because you look too much like Jesus. He don't like your family. He don't like your kids. He don't like what you do. He don't like anything about you other than that which he can try to pervert and pull you away from God. And so he is working against the church. Um, And the church finds itself in a position, and I believe as we grow, draw nearer, and I'm not just talking, when I talk about the church, don't misunderstand me. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. The church finds itself in a place where I believe that uh, uh, we're going to be squeezed more and more. We're going to be squeezed as a people that, uh, that the real Christians will have to stand up because Satan is working overtime. He's looking for opportunities. He's looking for weakness so that he can try to distort our message as the people of God. And as much as I love church and as much as I, I love our coming together and we're singing songs and we, we're doing some of these neat little things, I know the real mission of the church is far beyond us just sitting here and looking at each other. The, the mission is far greater than that. This mission, the church, is far bigger than all of us. Isn't that good? Now, you get to be a part of it, but this is greater. This is bigger than us. Jesus says, I'll build my church, and the grace of hell would not prevail. I haven't been, I've been a member of a couple of churches in my life, not counting my, my young life. And some of you have heard me say this. And it's worth saying again uh, for the purposes of this message that uh, a church, one of the churches I was a part of, I, I had witnessed something terrible. I had there was there was a lot of great things about the church. I mean, we had sweet fellowship together. Uh, you know, we were very, very close in our relationships. I was a part of that church for about 10 years. Uh, very, very, very involved in that ministry. Uh, I think just about everything that was there, I was somehow involved in. That's how I learned. That's how I learned how to serve. I learned how to deal with my emotions. I learned how to deal with conflict was those 10 years I had at that church. And I witnessed something that happened, uh, that there were some problems with the church and uh, within the leadership structure of the church. 
and their church ended up deteriorating. It split. And, and those of us who are in church life, we hate that term, split. It is an ugly term. It's ugly because of what it does to people. I can remember one lady who was a part of the church at that time, and she was a new believer who had just started coming there. She wasn't as grounded in her faith, but she was there. She loved the fellowship. She loved the camaraderie. She loved everything about it. And she said, you know what? If the church can't get it right, what, am I, what are we supposed to do? Y'all are supposed to be church people. She said that back in 1997. I remember her having this conversation with her as if it was yesterday. And for many years, and I talked to her a couple years ago, ever since that episode, she never, ever went a step foot in another church again. She said, I won't do it. She said, I won't do it. Because she was hurt by it. She was pained by it. And while, and while we were, and I say we, I say the, the church overall at that time, the ministry, was focused on our issues, there were people that were being harmed because of ministry. Something that's supposed to be encouraging, something that's supposed to be uplifting, and something that's supposed to be this wonderful institution that Christ created, the church. But then God showed me through another church in Herndon, and, I, and, and some of you have heard me say this before, um, that uh, God showed me what a church looked like when it's a healthy church. We're talking about the vital church. A church, anything that's healthy, it grows. When something is sick, when something has an infection, uh, how many know it hinders the growth process? It's, it's, it's a problem. And until you can medicate it, deal with it, fix it, it will continue to be a festering problem in the life of the church. And, and that church that I was a part of in Herndon, I'd never seen anything like it on the planet. Now, that's my experience. Some of you may think differently. That's cool. Because I saw what a church looked like when it's a healthy church. I saw strong leaders. I saw, I saw people that were passionate. I saw people that liked each other, that hang, hung out with each other. They, they, uh, they fellowshiped. They, they, it was just an atmosphere. I mean, it was strong doctrinally. I mean, people loved the word. And, and, and people were rich, but you wouldn't know it because everything they had, they gave to the church. They gave for the furtherance of the kingdom. It was a beautiful thing. And who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And so having had that experience, and as a, as a, as a pastor of a young church, and, 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 and wanting to see our church become a place, because I want, how I many know God want our church to be blessed? He want, I, he want this to be a place. Now, 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 please understand me when I say this, because I don't say this in an arrogant way. Because how I many know that God, that all of us, every church has a, Responsibility has a calling, has a has something that God has kind of shaped it to do. And and, and I believe that God wants our church to be the talk of the town. But for all the right reasons. For all the right reasons. And so. If our church is going to be blessed, then that means that every one of us has a responsibility to see to it that we stay connected to the word of God and what God has said in order to bring about his desire 
in the local church. Let's fast forward to Acts chapter 2. It's an amazing thing that had happened. Uh, they had a, Jesus had already ascended into heaven. The apostles there, the book of Acts is called Acts because they did a lot of miraculous things. That's why it's called the book of Acts. They were working and just doing tremendous and awesome ministry. And, and what we discover is that the church now is on the move. Jesus said, I want you to wait until you be endued with power from on high. And so this is in Acts chapter 1. He tells them to wait. And then in Acts chapter 2, now right, right before that, right, right, right before that, uh, uh, they were praying. They were seeking the Lord together. And then Pentecost came. You all know about Pentecost. The fire came from heaven, like the tongues, like fire came down and sat upon each one of them. They were filled that moment with the Holy Spirit. And out of that was born this community of vitality and life and excitement and passion about the things of God. And so we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2 where it gives a description it gives a description of what the church was doing that enabled it to be able to experience the blessing of God. Because when the church is blessed, who is the recipient of that blessing? If you attend, you are. And so there was enthusiasm. The Holy Spirit was moving and Peter just preaching and 3,000, 3,000 people got saved. I mean, no, it's hard to top. And, and one may be tempted to say Peter must have did some good preaching. Nah, it wasn't good preaching. It wasn't good preaching. Nah, it was just the Holy Spirit. Because when God sees things happen the way he wants them to happen, God says, what God, watch this, God says, where I see unity, when I see oneness, I'm commanding blessing. He said, where there's Psalm 133, he says, where there's unity, where there's a spirit of oneness, I command that you be a blessed people. So when we walk in the way of God, then we position ourselves to experience the blessing of God. And all that he has for the local church. So let's take a look. As I really studied this and I was praying about this and, and God showed me. In Acts, I got nine steps to a vital church. And all of them, every one of them, every one of them are taken from Acts chapter 2 beginning in verses uh, 42 to 47. So if you want to follow me in the Bible, then I hope you will. I want you to. Uh, we got quite a few scriptures here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go over all of them for time's sake, so I may just mention them. And, and Diva, you can just post them on the screen, but we want to keep moving because I want to make sure that you get the information. So what was the key? What was the key to, to their success? The first point, the first key, nine steps to a vital church. Here they are. And I want to ask you at the end, so I want everybody to take good notes. Number one, they continue steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine, they continue steadfastly. That word steadfastly means fixed firmly in place, not subject to change. They were determined. They continued in the apostles' 
doctrine. They were not, listen to me, they were not simply about listening to the word. How many know that when you're really committed to the word of God, then you're committed to obeying what it says? See, the Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers, because it is the doers who are what? Blessed. It's the doers of the word, not those that hear it, but they were committed to the apostles' doctrine. Whenever the word was being taught, they were there to listen. They were in unity. How many know that what you believe is important? I want to say that again. What you believe as it relates to doctrine is important. Very, very important. Paul, speaking to the Galatians church, Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there real quick. Galatians 1. Paul had been laying a foundation in the Galatian church. And, 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 and listen to what he says, starting in verse number 6. Now, he had taught them. He had taught them about Jesus Christ, his ministry, what he was all about. He, he had laid a foundation in him. And then something happened. Look at Galatians chapter number 1, verses 6 through 9. Paul says, I marvel. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I mean, know that there are all kind of so-called gospel messages out there. Paul said, wait a minute, I am just, I'm surprised because I taught you this. I, I spent time with you, teaching you and, 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 and helping you to understand that the, 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 the salvation is by grace through faith and that is in Christ and Christ alone. And, and I marvel that, 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 that you, have, you have just gone away so quickly from the truth. Let's keep reading to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But look at verse eight. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. That means condemned. I mean, no, it's important that you understand what you believe. And to be able to articulate what you believe from the word of God. Paul was making a point. Paul says, listen, that, see what happened here with the Galatian church was they were not grounded in the truth. See, the, the, see one of the successes of the early church was that boy, they, they were big on understanding God's word. They were big on doctrine. They wanted to learn. They wanted to understand. And, and, and they gobbled it all up. They wanted to to know exactly what it was that Christ was teaching them. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I, I can't believe that you turned away so quickly. How I many know that when you're not grounded in the word of God, you're gullible? See, one of the reasons why we have discipleship classes and we, and we want Wednesday, we, we, our vision for Wednesday is to be far more than what it is right now. It's our vision for Wednesday to be a time where we have multiple Bible studies going on all at once. A time where people are being taught the word. Because let me tell you something. The, the devil is slick these days. If you don't know the word the way you should, if you cannot handle this word of truth the correct way, 
You know, the devil always throw just a little bit of a lie in truth. He always mix up what he does with truth. You know that. No? The devil good. But he always, when he talks about, Paul talked there about perverting the gospel. They take a little bit of the truth and he just, he take the truth and he take just, just a little bit of a lie and just kind of mix it in and slant it a whole different way. You remember when Jesus was on the cliff and Satan started telling him that you need to jump off the cliff or turn the stones in the bread and Jesus had to correct them. No, 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 no. You don't. What the devil was trying to do was twist the truth. And there's a lot of people out there. Now, I say this because it is important because because we're living in a time of great apostasy and deception. And people who cannot handle the word of God, who do not know this book, you will be gullible. I guarantee it because the enemy is going to come to you and you need to, need to be able to stand firm and articulate your position from the word of God. Not from what Pastor Baylor showed you, not from what I heard, but I can take this word, brother and sister, and I can sit down and I can explain it to you with the word of God. Is that what the word of God says? We had a, a, one of the meal distributions we had here a few months ago. And, uh, and Brother Larry had a conversation with a lady who was asking some questions. She just wanted to know. And, uh, and, you know, they were talking about a subject. And Larry ran out. He said, he, he can't, I remember him coming out. He said, I, I need, give me a Bible. Give me a Bible. And I said, what are you doing, brother? What do you need a Bible? He said, I want to show, show her from what the Bible says about what she was talking about. Because, see, at that point, once I show you what the word says, then I'm free. I, I have nothing. I'm, I'm done. Because either you accept the word or you reject it. You see, they were, they were, they continued, they were serious about doctrine. Serious about the study. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says to study, to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that need not to be ashamed. How many know the study means more than just a casual reading on the go? When you, the Bible talks about studying, it means a careful examination. There are times when I'll lock myself up in a room and I'll just study subjects. I just study subjects and I and I and I get a hold of the book and I begin to try to decipher because I know that with with all of this uh, deception that is out there, that if we're not grounded in the word of the Lord, then we will be led astray. It's just a matter of time. But look at Acts chapter number 17, verses 10 and 11. I want to show you something. Acts chapter 17, and I got to move quickly here. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 to 11. I want you to stay with me because you're going to learn a lot this morning. It's going to help us. It's going to help us. But look at the Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 11. It says now, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now watch this. Now, talking about the Bereans, these were more fair-minded or open-minded than those in Thessalonica. You know, when you know the word of God, you're not insecure. See, when, when, see, when you know the word, I can listen to you, but I'm not, I can walk right up into your Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints church. And I can stand right there and not be intimidated because I'm secure enough in what I believe. I can defend the faith. Apologists. You know what an apologist is? An apologist is one that defends the faith. 
I can defend my faith. I'm not intimidated because I know what the word says. But, but if you're not confident in what the word says, then what happens is when somebody come to you and they start putting scripture out at you, you're going to look at them like the dog that's trying to figure out what you're saying when you tell a dog to do something. You ever seen that look? That's how they, they're like, what are you saying? See, we need to be prepared. Every Christian, every, see, the Bible says 3,000 of them got saved. And then it said they. Who were they? They were the 3,000. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. The word of God. But, but look at the Bereans in verse 11. It says, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. All right? So that's the first thing. We got to get excited about the preaching and the declaration of God's word. And they, watch this, and they searched the scriptures daily. When? Monthly? Bi-weekly? Once a year? They searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Now you would ask the question, well, wait a minute, brother, this is the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, they came on the scene and the scripture said that they were even, look, they didn't even take Paul's word for it. They said, look, Paul, what you teaching? Okay, good. Well, can you show us what that is? How did that line up with what this say? I mean, no, we need to be a Berean church. A Berean church, a Berean church, they study the scripture. They want to find out. Those folks, you can't walk up in there with bad doctrine because those people in there are so equipped, they're ready to go. Don't come up in here with some funny stuff. Because we know the word. Secondly, ah, oh gosh. Secondly, they fellowshiped. We're talking about the keys to a vital church. They fellowshiped. Now, you know what fellowship means in the Greek Fellowship in the Greek means koinonia. Now watch this. Fellowship, that word koinonia means sharing. A close association. Partnership. Brotherhood. How many know that it's beyond the surface stuff? Mm. Now, now Now watch this. Fellowship is not coming to church on Sunday morning saying, how are you doing? Have a great week. That's not fellowship. Because in order for me to have a close association with you, I got to what? Come on, brother. I got to know you. Which means that when they sit down in fellowship, they open their lives up to each other because they love. They were, listen, they were all on the same page and they wanted to be a support to one another. The scripture says, I believe in Galatians 6, it talks about bearing one another's burdens. Can I ask you a question? How can I, bur- how can I bear your burden or help you if I don't know you? Amen. You can't help me. You don't know nothing about me. I have people all the time come to pray for me, Pat. I don't know you. I say, well, can you tell me what you want me to pray for you about? Just pray. I don't know nothing about you. I'll pray for you. But if I'm going to bear your burden, which means they fellowship, they communicated with each other. They talked to each other. They had kononia. They, 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 they open up. And I believe that some folks, watch this. Now, not none of y'all, because y'all are here. That means y'all righteous. Y'all got it all together. Okay? But there are some people who don't want close association because they don't want 
everybody to know what's really going on behind the curtains. I'll do the I'll do the church thing, brother, but I don't need to be. You don't need to be in all my business. I don't see that spirit. When you look at Acts chapter two, I don't see nothing about people just being troubled about me taking care of my own. I, I see people that were open. They were communicating. They were fellowshipping together. They were they were connecting in the spirit because they cared for one another. And I, I, how many of you have heard people say this? Now, you've heard this. Um, I love the Lord and I don't need those people um, because um, I can wor- I can worship God at home. I don't need a church. Now, I know none of y'all never said that. But, you know, there are a lot of people who think that way. And they say, well, I love I love God, but boy, I hate, don't care about his people. I love the Lord, but his people are a trip. <laughs> I'm going to bust your bubble this morning. You know, I love busting bubbles, but I like doing it through the word. Because here's what you got to understand. If I love God, I got to deal with him. I cannot say, oh, well, I love God. I serve God and I don't want nothing to do with his people. If you don't want, if you don't want nothing to do with God's people, then you don't want nothing to do with God. Amen. Okay, some of y'all looking at me like you don't believe me. So turn to 1 John chapter number 4, verse 20. First John chapter number 4. I'm enjoying myself. This word is just good. Isn't it good? Amen. That two, that two is just enough to keep me going. That two, amen. All right, here we go. In verse number 20, watch this. If someone says, I love God, I love the Lord, I, I can stay home and worship God because them church people are just hypocrites, all of them. But if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? God did not call me a pastor. You lying. Let me see that. God said, you're a liar. You know, God spoke like that, did you? (laughs) For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Look at verse 21. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. So my relationship with God, watch this, is tied directly to how I relate to my brother. That's why you can't ever talk to other believers any kind of way. Okay, let me, let me take it a step further because y'all still look like you're confused. Okay, you remember when the Apostle Paul was confronted by Jesus, right? Just before his conversion. He was on the road to Damascus. He was confronted. And, 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 and Jesus confronted him. And what did Jesus say to Apostle Paul? He said, Paul, Paul. Why are you persecuting me? Paul had never met Jesus, never seen him, as far as we know. And Jesus is saying, Paul, why, why are you persecuting me? I mean, if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, when did I persecute you? Well, Paul had been persecuting God's people. 
And God said, if you persecute my people, you're persecuting me. That's why we got to be careful how we handle each other. You see what I'm saying? Because how I relate to my sister right here determines my relationship with God. If I don't have this right, God ain't even going to hear me. You remember he said that if you have a problem with your brother or sister first, get that right, then come talk to me. He said, don't even come to me and have no conversation until you first get that right. Then you come and talk. Amen. Am I right about it? Okay. So, so we're going to fellowship. I know we fellowshipping with one another is like fellowshipping with the Lord in his presence with his people. Because, you know, people, he died for people. There's nothing more important to God than people. And yes, the ones that you don't like. The ones that get on your nerve. You ever met have a believer that get on your nerve? Come on, you know. We, we, come on, we, we all got all, that's why the Bible says forgive one another. Because we're going to keep offending each other till he comes back. <laughs> he says, forgive one another. He said, forgive one another because he's already, he's, he's telling you something. Y'all ain't going to get it right. Somebody going to get offended. So I'm telling you up front, purpose in your heart, brother, sister, I'm going to forgive you for what you're about to do to me. Amen. I'm preaching good this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Number three, they broke bread together. Now, breaking bread together here, if you study this in the original text, it really means that they had communion together. See, what communion does is communion, it, it affirms our relationship and our commitment to Christ. Every time we take communion, it is our way of saying, Lord, we identify with what you said. We identify with your sacrifice. And God, we are holding ourselves accountable to what you have taught us, to your word, to your purpose. And so when I commune with Christ, I become one. That's why the Bible says that when we do communion, that we're supposed to examine ourselves. So what you find here is that when they came together, these were sacred moments. These are moments that the people held themselves accountable. That I examine my own heart. You know, if we if we do more of examining our own selves, then I think we'll all do better as a people. If we start looking at our own shortcomings, because all of us got some, even the best of us, we got baggage. Am I right about it? They, 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 were, they, they communed together. In other words, in other words they, 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 they held themselves accountable. They, they examined their hearts. There was this spirit of, well, you know what? Let me just look. Maybe I did do something wrong. Maybe, maybe I didn't. I don't have it together. See, one of the things about walking with God is he takes pride got to go. Pride got to go. So you got to kind of humble yourself and say, wait a minute. I do got some issues. Uh, you know, I, and, and I tell you, I tell you my issues, don't I? You know my weakness, probably you, you guys have been with me long. You know my issues, and you hang around long enough, you'll see more of my issues. And then if you just have enough courage to come ask me, I'll tell you what my issues are. But, but you still better pray for me and love me as I should you. So they communed. They broke bread together. Number four. We got to keep moving. Are we number four? So we're going to number four. Watch this. Now, y'all, some of y'all are going to say, but don't go there. But I got to go there because if I don't go there, God's going to get me. So if y'all don't get mad at me, talk to God about it, please. Just say, go to. Okay, here we go. They were committed to prayer. I don't know what it is. I've been saved for 20 plus years. And one of the least attended services in the church is prayer. I never understood that. Every great move of God 
started with prayer. You can't tell me that as a church that we're serious about winning the loss. I don't care what we do. If we're not committed to praying together. Now, here, here's the thing. Now, don't even talk now. You can talk to me later. Show me somebody, who, you know, people, you know, here's another thing that people say. This is how we, you know, us Christians, we got some phrases down. We know how to deflect. We got it. We got it down real good. You know how we do. Well, I can pray at home. I don't need to come to church. Well, let me tell you something. Chances are that if you're a serious prayer warrior and you're really serious about praying at home, then you're going to be serious about praying corporately. If you don't have, listen, if you're not serious, listen. I never met a prayer warrior who calls himself a prayer warrior who said, I'm going to stay home and pray. I ain't coming to prayer service. When the church came together, they came in. It was was time to come to prayer. Everybody came. There wasn't no, well, you know, uh, uh, I'll just say, no, 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 no. Part of your worship is prayer. That's part of your worship to God. Sunday is your worship time. It's not, Sunday is not some, well, you know, it's, yeah, we want, we want to hear what God is saying. We come really to worship and to communicate with God. We move prayer like 10 times. We used to have it on Wednesday nights, and, and, and people didn't come. So we said, we had it at 9.30, okay. We, people didn't, so we bump it up at 9.45, try to make it a little bit more convenient. And people look at prayer. Now, here's the thing about prayer. Now, this is not so much of an attack on the body. It's it's to say that the enemy knows what he's doing. Because if he can keep a church. See, there's something about when we pray in agreement together. That things are firm in the spirit. That we're lifting up each other in prayer. That when we come together in unity together and we pray as a people, that, that God moves in situations like that. Not that he don't move individually, but how can you know really how to pray if you're not really connected with what God is doing with us as a people here? You can't be. You can't be. So he says, so, so they were committed to prayer. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, real quick. You got it, Diva? Acts 1, 12 through 14. I gave you so many. But watch this. Now, this was right before Pentecost. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And they went, they, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Aphias and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. And these all, watch this, these all continued with one accord in what? Prayer. And in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So watch this. So right before Pentecost, one of the most profound moves of the church, all the church was gathered together and they were praying. And God moved. Fast forward, and I can't have you turn there, but if you look at, uh, I believe, Acts chapter number 12, read it. The apostle Peter was about to be thrown into prison. Well, he was thrown into prison, and the next day he was going to face sentencing, and Herod was probably going to kill him. But the Bible says that church, but watch this, that Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the who? Church. 
They were together constantly praying. And then if you look at that last verse of that same chapter there, verse number 12, I don't know if you have verse number 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. This was after he was released because they were praying that God would deliver him. He sent an angel, got him out of prison because the people of God was praying when the, uh, where many were gathered together praying. So even when he got delivered, got delivered from Herod's hand, that, that he came to the place where everybody was and the people were on their face crying out to God. Jesus said this, my house shall be called a house of what? He got so mad and angry at the money changers. He got mad. He turned over the tables because they were all about just making money. He flipped it. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That means that what's supposed to characterize a church is it's a praying people. The people gather together and pray. See, the New Testament church, no, 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 no. Remember, we're talking about nine steps to a vital church. That if we're doing these steps, we position ourselves to be a blessed church. <sighs> Number five, signs and wonders begin to happen. You know what signs and wonders are? Miracles. <laughs> Miracles. Miracles. How many can use a miracle? The scripture says, the scripture says that, <clears throat> that fear came upon every soul. Now, they got scared. You know, when God really started moving in life, it'll flip you out. It'll trip you out. Because usually when he moves, it, it kind of catches you by surprise. It'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It said, great fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Many signs and wonders. It didn't say a few. Many. Now, what was it born out of? I tell you what it was born out of. It was born out of that because they fellowship. They were in doctrinal unity together. They were in communion. They took communion together, and they prayed together, and it was their breathing ground for miracles. People getting sick, people get cured. We need God to, to do a financial blessing, a financial breakthrough. God moved. We should be a church where every week, and we're not, we're not nowhere close to that. And everybody knows that who goes here for any length of time, that there should be some testimony about something that God did. Every week, we shouldn't, we shouldn't even have to, y'all, you should be going to Sister Diver because she's an administrator, she does all that stuff. Let me tell you what God did in my life this week. Signs and wonders. People getting saved supernaturally. God moving by his spirit. Marriages getting healed. Marriages getting restored. Why? Because miracles. I, you know, some, some things you know when it's a miracle because you know that it could not happen unless God did it. There's no way this, this is no way. How did that happen? And I, I, laugh, I laugh at some of these pastors. And I've, I've been to some of these conferences. These pastors got huge churches. And, and every one of them sit there and they try to give people 15 or 20 ways to get a big church like they got. And I laugh. I said, stop lying. Sure, there were some things that they did that helped. But, but, in re, but, but, but if, 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 they're, if they're really honest about it, it had little to do with, with them. It's just that God decided to bless them because they were flowing. See, when you flow in God's anointing, things happen. 
See, when you go with the current. The other day, I was flying on the airplane. How do you like to fly? I don't like to fly. Um, and I do, it, I do it every day. I don't like it. They said, and they said, we're going to get you. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I asked the airline stewardess. I said, can you please? She said, the, air, the, the, the pilot, the captain said, oh, we're going to get you there 40 minutes early. My first thing is, how, how are you flying back from Utah? How are you going to get me back 40 minutes early? And here's what he said to me. The, the lady said, and I, and I talked to the airline student because I don't know. I, and I, I'm trying to figure out what's the difference. You got to travel the same. What's the difference? She said, it's because of the jet stream. See, the jet stream goes in a certain direction and it speeds the plane up that if you get in the jet stream, it'll carry you. And the jet stream will fast forward us to our destination 40 minutes early. He didn't have to do nothing but just glide. See, when we flow and what God called us to do as a people, glide to blessing. Everybody getting blessed. Everybody flowing. Everybody getting blessed. And we ain't had to do nothing but just do what God said. I told you I'm preaching good this morning. Y'all better say amen. Shout. Good stuff. All right. Number six. They had all things common. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. We talked about our marriage. We taught our marriage series. But how many have ever studied the book of Corinthians? The Corinthian church? Everything that a church ain't supposed to do, you can find it in Corinthians. I mean, they had people, go read the book of Corinthians. I mean, they had, they had sexual immorality. They had people mad at each other all the time. They said one was saying, I'm a Paul. Another was saying, I'm of Apollos. They were taking sides with each other. They were using their spiritual gift, but they were stepping on each other's foot because I'm anointed. I'm called by God. I should have that position. Oh, no, no. I should. Who do they think they are? I mean, flesh all over everything that you don't want in a church, brother. You can find it in Corinth. And Paul had to come and set the record straight. Because the church was divided. And when the church is divided, and they listen, when the church is divided, it's not flowing in the jet stream, obviously. It can't happen. The blessing, God commands blessing where there's what? Unity. Okay, let me do it this way. Can anybody define command? <laughs> command? God commands, but that means he didn't say, I might bless you if you flow in unity. He no, no. You can best believe that if we walk according to what he said, I am going to bless your church. I'm going to bless you. I command blessing. And when God decree a thing, get, get, get ready. It's going to happen. Ain't nothing you can do. Just watch out. It's coming. It's coming. So watch this. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.10, watch this. Paul says, now I beg you. Brethren, beseech means beg, that by the name of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same what? Thing. And that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Paul says, look, first of all, we got to start here. Y'all got to talk right. <laughs> he said, I'm commanding you. You all speak the same thing. You know what? The thing about unity. 
Every one of us have a responsibility to guard the unity. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 3, I believe, it says endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. You know what endeavor means? <laughs> Anybody smart want to try? What is endeavor? It's okay. You see something? Okay, you're hot. But to endeavor, what is endeavor? Try. To try. Okay, it's to strive. It's to work at. Endeavor to keep the unity. How many know that when you bring a bunch of people in from different walks of life, from different backgrounds, it ain't, unity ain't an easy thing. But here's what he said. That's why he says endeavor. He mean, he's saying you got to work hard at it. Well, I don't want to put that work in. I want things just to happen. I don't want no trouble. I just want smooth sailing. Well, you ain't going to ever have smooth sailing as long as you have people on the planet. Forget it. Amen. You know, people get mad at the church. They get, oh, I'm mad. I'm going to leave. Okay, cool. But are you going to another planet where there's Martians? Because the same people there here are going to be there too. Still people. And you find yourself always having to deal with people. I've been doing it for 20 years. I can tell you emphatically, you see the same stuff in every church. Doesn't matter. So you be rolling around. Up. Got a little hiccup. Don't like okay. Whoa. And, 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 and before you know it, 15, 20 years came about and you're not stable. You've just been all over the place because you're trying to find the perfect church. If you find one, don't join it because you'll screw it up. <laughs> you mess it up because none of us are perfect. So endeavor to keep the unity means the Lord, I'm doing, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to work hard at keeping the unity, and sometimes that means I got to, I'm biting my tongue. I'm not biting too hard because I don't want to hurt myself. Sometimes you just got to bite your tongue. Sometimes I know I'm right, but you know what? Sometimes it ain't about who's right or who's wrong. It's just about how we're going to get over to the other side. See? I'm, I'm endeavoring. I'm going to work. See, in your marriage relationship, it ain't all about who's right. Who's, stop, stop trying to always win the argument. Forget it. Forget it. How can we get to the other side? How can we resolve this? Peacefully. Everybody say peacefully. peacefully. <laughs> All right. Number seven, and we're getting close to the end because a few more minutes and we'll be done. Um, <laughs> y'all believe that? It's true. I'm, just, I'm not going to give you the time because then y'all will try to hold me to it. But that's okay. Number seven. All right. They sold their possession and their goods and gave to everybody who had need. Wow. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? You mean to tell me they sold their possession? They said, you know what, brother? If I'm not doing good, uh, if you're not doing good, then I'm not doing good. And if you're not doing good, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, listen, those people are so radical now, we, th- we look at that today, we think it's radical. But, you know, Abel, one way that you can get to a point where you just, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll, you'll sell your stuff and give it to make sure that God's work continues. You got to hold that stuff loosely. See, loosely. Like, like, like everything I got, you should hold it like this. Because at any moment, God can come and say, uh, I want you to, and you need to be able to say, okay, Lord, that's what you want me to do. You want me to sell my car? Yeah, sell your car and I want you to give it to the poor. That's a Jaguar, God. I mean, come on. 
No, sell your car. Now, some of you right now, you're like, oh, pastor told me. I didn't say that. Just make sure you hear from God. But if God came and he said to you, I want that, I want you to take that thing that you own and I want you to sell it, make a profit. And instead of going to buy you something bigger, I want you to sow it into somebody else's life or sow it into the church, sow it into a missionary, sow it into God's work. That's what they did. This is the community of believers. They, they had their possession and they said, you know, they, they sold it. They said, I, I, it, don't, it don't matter to me. It don't matter to me. What matters to me is that the church is okay. Because if the church have a need, if my brother and sister have a need, I got to make sure. How many know that you don't say you love God and you see your brother have a need and you don't raise up a finger to help him? Don't tell me you love God. Don't tell me you love God. Remember, how I treat my brother is how I treat my God. But that'll change how you think. Think about that. You mean If I'm mad at my brother, I'm mad at God. What? That's why one of the things that me and my wife is, you know, we have a dispute. I have to fix it because I know my prayers ain't going nowhere. So I said, I'll wake you, honey. I'll wake you. We'll talk all night. But we're going to fix this because you ain't going to mess up my prayer life or vice versa. I can't. See, they, they, they held that stuff loosely. What kind of church would we be that everything that we had, we just held it loosely. And whenever God wanted it, we gave it. We gave it. Whatever. What, what do we need? What do we need? What do we need? You need that? Good. Like in Exodus, remember Moses when they had to build a temple, the tabernacle. I'm sorry, the tabernacle. And, and everybody just brought so much stuff. Moses had to tell the people, stop, 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 stop. See, there's something about that kind of annoying. How I many know you are flowing in the jet stream and, 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 and God is about to bless your church because we have this kind of care for one another. Number eight, we got two more. Number eight, number nine, we'll be finished. Five minutes, all right? Five minutes. On the, I, I'll tell you when to start. All right, number eight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I appreciate y'all, y'all being patient. I, I know I got to hear I just want to get these. There's only nine of them. Number eight, they continued daily in the temple. Look at verse number 46. Now, all of this come right out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. You can read it. This is not something I'm making up. It's all out of the word. They continue in the temple. Now look at verse number. Look at verse number forty-six. Now, now I want somebody to tell me how much did they continue in the temple? How often? Oh, wow! And we still have people struggling to come to church on Sunday. <laughs> I right, think about it. That means every day that church door is open, here they come. They continue in the temple. See, you know what this says is that they were single minded. They were all on the same. They had one agenda, and that was to further the agenda, the purposes of God. And they were sold to it. Nothing else mattered to them. Nothing else that they were in the temple daily. And boy, sometimes we struggle. Man, it's like I was thinking, and I hate to say this. Y'all got to forgive me. But, you know. And it happened every time we have bad weather. The first thing I say to myself, well, I guess it's a, it's a good chance that I won't get less people to show up today because it's raining or, or it's snowing. Because that's what happens. But boy, come Monday morning, you'll get that shovel. It's snowing outside. But I can't go to church today. It's raining. It's too hot. The Bible I mean, the, the weatherman said that there's a heat advisory. 
But boy, come Monday morning, you got to get to work. You will get that shovel. You will snap your back. You will go. You will scrape that ice off that, that thing, off that windshield. Boom, boom, because I got to get to work. But when it comes to worshiping God and coming to his house, I, I don't know. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to come to church. Don't tell me you're a Christian and you don't come to church. What kind of Christian is that? Listen to me. Watch this. I understand this. Worship, coming, to, coming, to the, coming together as a people. Number one, you know the Sabbath day was always on Saturday. That's what they, they worship. That's Jewish. That's what they worship on Saturdays. Now, that changed when Christ rose again from the dead, and we start worshiping on Sunday in order to celebrate the resurrection. So every time I come together on Sunday, for example, on Sunday, we come together as a people. We're coming to honor God. This is our way of saying, God, we are here to honor you. I've never understood people to try to contemplate, am I going to go worship? I'm like, help me with that. This is your life. This is what I died for. You died. You know you died when you came to Christ. Supposed to. You died. This is everything. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, he says, he talks about how at least once a week that, that y'all lay aside something. He's talking about he was coming. He said, you lay aside some money, lay aside some resources so that he can further God's work. I was paraphrasing there. But, but the point of it is, is that, we, that, that we should be coming together. The, the church always came together, and they did it on a regular basis. These people were in the temple daily. I, we don't ask you to come every day. I'm just saying. I ain't there. Well, he's trying to establish a cult. I'm not talking about a cult. I'm just talking that these people love being in the church. They love being in the place in the house of worship. Number nine. This is good. Number nine, they, this is the last one. They ate dinner together at each other's home, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Simplicity of heart. If they ate their food with gladness, then more than likely there was some chicken and ribs involved. Because <laughs> that's what make you glad. <laughs> there was some grills of chicken and ribs. You know, they just went. You know, I was listening to this one. I was like, I said, man, that's really good. I was listening to Brother, um, um, shoot, man, I just had a, Brother Edwin and Brother Troy was talking. They said they, they fellowship the other day. I was, I was glad. I said, man, that's, they, I said, man, that's good. That's good. And, they, and, they, and, they, and I, said, I listened to them talk about how that they were going to be going to Woodbridge, and a little bit, and I guess you're supposed to leave early, and then it's 9 o'clock, and you, and you say, okay, we're going to stay five minutes, and then it was like 10.30 or something like that, and for y'all, <laughs> fellowship, breaking the bread together. That, that was, there was a common, there was something that was happening. They were coming together, getting to know my brother, getting to know my sister, because this is an eternity thing. See? This, this, is, this is what it's all about. And so these folks, they were hanging out together. They just loved, they just went to each other's house. I'm going, what are you doing today? I'm coming to your house. What are you doing? I'm coming to your house today. We come, come to my house today. I mean, that was constant. What are you doing? Come to my house. If you don't want me to come to your house, what's up? I'll help you clean it if you want me to. <laughs> See, they, they, they all the time, they just, you know. I, I know I know Larry and Di were probably thinking, yeah, but y'all been coming to my house too much. That's okay. I said, I read your mind. I just got you. Ding! 
I just picked a brain. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But 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 you see, because all I have is yours and yours is mine. We're one. This is this is my I want you to know who I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And you help me work on the bad stuff in my life. I got some issues, but can you deal can 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 you just trust can you pray for me and help me along? You see? And 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 the church and the Bible says, the last verse, they praise God, have a favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church. How often? Where's his 10-step program? What, where is it? The Lord just added because they're flowing according to who you want. So, so give me the nine things real quick. Number one. Number two. Number three. Uh-huh. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Number seven. Number eight. Uh huh. Number nine. And then what did God do? And He added what to the church? Thank you. That's how you go to church. So watch this: if a church is not growing, or if it's floundering, because you can measure growth several different ways. You can probably look between these verses and find out where it's falling short. Because if we get this right, we're on our way. Because it's healthy and anything healthy is going to grow and and God is going to bless it. And we're going to see many new converts, many people get saved because nobody want to come into an environment where everybody is just all over the place. They want to come to a place where people love each other. You know what people, we always say all the time, we say we want, and I want music, and I want a musician, youth pastor, and all that, and and I'm believing God for all that. True. But you know what really, 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 really people really, really, really want at the end of the day? They want to know that somebody care about them. Jesus says that men will know you are my disciples because of how you treat each other, because you have love one to another. That's the key, love. 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 Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.